The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of them, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe me? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your scripture and your word for us to read upon and to dive into and to understand in a meaningful way. I pray that as Randall comes forward to give today's message, that you fill the gap between your word and our understanding. Lord, you're so amazing and so powerful, and we don't even deserve to be loved, but you gave your son as a testimony to love and to forgive us of our sins. We lift these prayers up along with the prayers that are locked deep inside of our hearts. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right, good morning. My name is Randall. I'm the lead pastor of Grace City. And uh, this morning, we're going to Uh, jump back into the second week of our series, Doubting Doubts. Uh, But before we do that, I want to share a little bit about what happened last Sunday. And so after service last Sunday, we had two baptisms, uh, which were awesome. And so we've got some pictures here of um, Evan and Gendarm, and this was them uh, sharing a little bit about what God had done in their life um, and professing that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And after that, we got to do some baptisms. And so these are some pictures of the baptism. That's Gendarm there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I think we got some of Evan too. So... There's even before uh, getting baptized, and that is even after getting baptized. So, uh, yeah, praise God. And I think one of the coolest parts of that was, uh, you know, just the people that were there supporting 
Evan and Gendarme as they were making this profession of faith in Jesus. And they had signs and everything and just cheering. And so it's so awesome because, you know, it's not just this individual thing where we put our faith in Jesus, but uh, we've been bought into a family. You know, God has made us a family in Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so that was last Sunday, and we're excited about that. So our, our text today is from John 1, 43 through 51. And I would have to say that this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. And you say, you know, pastors say that all the time, but really this is one of my favorite stories uh, because it catches us off guard. You know, we're looking at uh, doubting doubts and, and last week we looked at uh, John the Baptist who is a strong believer, yet he faced doubts. And even as some of us today were listening to the song that was sung earlier about struggling with faith, we say, can, can you say that? Is that okay to, to really be genuine about questions and answers? Someone who was very skeptical about Jesus, Nathaniel. And what we get is our message today, God's response to doubts. God's response to doubts. You know, how do you think God would respond if you shared with him honestly and genuinely your doubts and struggles? Your doubts about who he is and, and what he's done and what he's capable of. Your struggles with sin and, and, and doubt and, and going back into an old way of life. Could God love me? See, if you were honest, you know, maybe some of us would think this. If I shared that with God, then what I would get is condemnation. That God would condemn me right on the spot because I had a question or, or I had a doubt. And it might relate back to even previous church experiences where it wasn't okay to ask questions. For some of us, we might think that God would respond with guilt, uh, guilting us for, for even feeling that way. Maybe some would think, well, God would just start arguing with me. It would be an argument or a debate about his existence. There'd be anger involved with how God would respond to me. Or maybe he'd just speak back to me sarcastically, as if I should have just had it all together. See, in today's text, we get a real glimpse of Jesus, who is God, responding to a skeptic, a skeptic with genuine struggles and doubts. And to set the stage, what's happening here is Jesus is just starting his ministry. His ministry is just getting off the ground. He's starting to gather disciples together, and followers are coming from various backgrounds. And so we meet Nathaniel, and we get a snippet of his story. And so again, our text is John 1, 43 through 51. And, and what we find are three parts to Nathaniel's story. And here's what they are. Part one is a skeptical heart. Part two is an unsettled curiosity. And part three is an encounter with God. A skeptical heart, an unsettled curiosity, and an encounter with God. 
And so the first part of his story, let's talk about this, a skeptical heart. Look at verses 45 through 46. So it says this, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. So what we find is that Philip is a friend of Nathanael. And he comes to his friend with the, the most exciting news ever. They have found the Messiah, the one Moses and the law and the prophets wrote about. Dr. Mark Moore writes about this as he's thinking on this text. He says, Philip's sentence is couched couch in such a way so as to maximize excitement and minimize offense. That is the first word of his sentence is Messiah. The last word is Nazareth. In some way, as we look at this text, Philip is trying to make it really subtle that Jesus is from Nazareth because he knew that that would have probably caused some skepticism for his friend. It's like some of us, we, we say, okay, well, you know what? You, you want to come hang out with me? To one of your friends, like, sure. We're going to have coffee, and it's going to be cool. We're going to have some donuts, and then we're going to study the Bible. <laughs> okay, I get what this is. Bible study. Coffee, don't, cool. Bible study, get it, right? And so at the <laughs> mention of Jesus being from Nazareth in verse 45, Nathaniel essentially he rolls his eyes a little bit. The Messiah, Nazareth, really? You know, and there could have been some reasons why he would have rolled his eyes because at that time, there had been 400 years of silence. John the Baptist is this prophet coming back, setting the way for Jesus as we talked about last week. And there would have been many people who would have said, I'm the Messiah. So at that point, there, there should have been good reason for some skepticism from Nathaniel. But then he's like, you really got me on this one. Nazareth, his outward response, though, to Jesus, being from Nazareth, Nazareth was revealing an inward condition of his heart. See, Nathaniel had a skeptical heart like in many ways we do. When we hear about Jesus and we read about him and we say, did he really do this? But we must understand at some level this is something that we all struggle with. See, how could the Messiah be from Nazareth? That, that doesn't make sense. But this isn't the first time that God has done something that just doesn't make sense to us. See, to understand Jesus and the Christian message, it's to receive the impossible. What we would think is impossible, but that God could make possible. Timothy Keller says about this, he says, Christianity was from Nazareth then and it is still from Nazareth today. People love to roll their eyes at the idea of Christianity and its claims about who Christ is and what he has done and can do for them. 
the knowing people, the suitable people all say, Christianity, been there, done that. I grew up with it, realized early on it's not for me, and I've made my, up my mind. So Jesus is still from Nazareth. See, this eye-rolling attitude can affect us in a lot of ways. Or we think we know something, but we don't research it. And it causes skepticism in our heart. What is that? At the end of the day, it's pride. It's pride. It's feeling like I, I know something that, and I don't need to receive any feedback or, or help in any way. And, and that prideful lifestyle, that eye rolling, that can be very dangerous. See, in 2002, Tara Parker Pope wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal entitled, Can Eye Rolling Ruin a Marriage? She says research shows eye rolling after a spouse's comment can be a strong predictor for divorce. As we read this text, we can imagine Nathaniel just eye rolling at the most important thing that he could ever have in his life, a relationship with God. And this type of pride can be disastrous. You see, many today still have this type of intellectual snobbery toward Jesus and Christianity. And it's no surprise to God. That's why 1 Corinthians 1.27 says this, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. See, why is it this way where we look at Nazareth and we say, how could Jesus come from there? It's because God intended it that way. See, it's the weak things of the world that God chooses to shame the wise. In many ways, Nazareth is what Edmund Clowney calls the too much of Christianity. It's just too much that God would come down and become a man. It's just too much that God would actually die on the cross for our sins. It's too much that we are dead in our sins apart from Christ. It's too much that the only way to be saved is through accepting our weakness and trusting Christ. It's just too much that God could love a person like me. It's a too much of Christianity. Would we be real, willing to receive that? Because we must receive that it's from Nazareth and that our intellect alone will not be able to grasp God's infinite wisdom. You see, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Most people who study the Bible and who eventually become Christians say there's no way that God, other than God, that this would have been here. Right, like no person could make this stuff up. That's Christianity. See, the first part of Nathaniel's story is a skeptical heart. Where does he go from there? The second part is an unsettled curiosity. This is verses 47 through 48. Here's what it says. So Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel said to him, How do you know me? 
Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And so at the urging of Philip, Nathanael goes to see Jesus. You say, well, why? Well, there's a couple reasons. First, it's his friend, right? So I'll go check this out if my friend believes this. But secondly, it's the same reason why some of you are here today. This friend said, come, but ultimately, there's something deep down in our hearts that we know is missing. Something that we know is unsettled and and we need something more. See, here's the thing. Nathaniel was really searching for answers. He wanted answers to his doubts. Here's the context. I mean, Rome was in charge. So he's this young Jewish man during this time being ruled over by Rome and just thinking, okay, is this all there is? Is this what life is about? I mean, if there's really a Messiah who's going to come and he's going to save us, I mean, is it true? Is God still with us? Or has God rejected us? See, he was unsettled with his lack of answers. He was missing something inside. Blaise Pascal once wrote, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeing in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Here's the thing we all face. There is an emptiness. There is something that we just can't fill with what the world offers us. And so, as we think about Nathaniel, this is a young man who's struggling with that same thing. And so, who does he meet in the midst of his struggles and doubts? Like we said earlier, Jesus is God. Nathaniel meets God in the flesh, God in person. And so, how does God respond to him? Well, first, verse 47, Jesus looks at him and and he says, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. You say, what what, what does that mean? Well, it's twofold. First, as he's looking at Nathaniel, he's looking at a person and he's saying, this is a guy who really wants answers. He's really searching. Oh, you came looking. you want something that's authentic and real. I can see that in you. But there's also something else that Jesus is pointing back to, and it, it, he's pointing back to a story that some of us may know or some of us may not know, but it's back in Genesis, and there's a man named Jacob. And Jacob was known for cheating, lying. Yeah, he was somebody that God worked through. And God changed his name to Israel. And so basically, as he looks at Nathaniel, he's saying, you're a true Israelite. You're, you're actually a real Israelite that has no Jacob in him. 
You, you don't want any of the false stuff. You're not looking to cheat or any of those things. You want the real thing. There's no Jacob in you. See, Jesus sees the real Nathaniel. He wasn't putting up any guard or anything like that. He wanted something genuine. And then Nathaniel's response is, how do you know me? How do you know about that about me? You, you, you haven't even met me yet. How do you know me? Here's the thing about Jesus. Oz Guinness said it well. He says, Jesus never talked to two people the same way. He, he, he took into account the individual, individuality and the struggle that Nathaniel had. And he says, I'm looking at you and this is what you need right now. He spoke to him in that way. And it connected with Nathaniel so deeply. He says, how do you know me? And then he gives him a reason to believe. In verse 48, he says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, I know that's kind of mysterious, and you're like, well, what does that mean? But here's the thing. During that time, they would study the word of God, usually under a fig tree. And so as Jesus is saying all of these things, people think, Nathaniel was probably studying that very passage about Jacob and now Jesus is bringing it to light and saying something that connected with that scripture that he was studying and now bringing it to life. It gives him a reason to believe. It was a specific reason that Nathaniel needed. And so what happens next? Next, it's an encounter with God. Verse 49 through 50, it says, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. See, wh what did Nathaniel experience that made him believe so quickly after just showing skepticism about Jesus. The cool part is we, we don't know what happened under the fig tree. But God is purposeful in not allowing us to know that. We've got hints of it, like maybe this is what happened, but we don't know for sure. And, and here's the thing about an encounter with God. Sometimes it's just unexplainable. It's just unexplainable. And so maybe even if it was all right there, it would have really been only that Nathaniel would have really connected with that in that moment. See, no matter how hard you try, when God breaks through, there is something that connects with you that most people wouldn't understand even if you tried to explain it. But here's the thing we do know. The first part is that Jesus sought Nathaniel before Nathaniel sought after Jesus. There's like this reality thing. We're, 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 okay, verse 50, Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And so if you think about that for a minute, I, this is the first time that Nathaniel saw Jesus, but Jesus saw him before Nathaniel saw him. He knew about him. And so here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus seeks us before we seek him. 
He seeks us in love. He seeks us in grace. Because here's the thing about how he responded to him. Verse 50, he says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? We don't hear an ounce of condemning him. I know you were very skeptical about me too. Let's bring that to the forefront. Let's talk about that for a minute. Why do you have a prejudice against Nazareth? You know, like he didn't bring all that to the table. But he just says like, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Can you see Jesus smiling as he's saying this? Like, really? Okay, okay. That's all I needed to do so that you would say that I am the son of God? He deals with him lovingly. He meets him in that place of questioning and says, okay. And here's the thing. Jesus is not afraid of his questions and doubts. Verse 50 says this, you will see greater things than these. You stick around Jesus long enough, you're gonna find that what got you in, what brought you in, that's only the beginning. That's only the start. You're gonna step back and say, wow, God, You still love me even in the midst of the questions and doubts and you're gonna still be there for me? See, the message we find all through the Bible is that God seeks sinful people and meets us right where we are, whether it be in our skepticism, in our doubts, in our struggle. That's the gospel. The gospel message is that God came down to sinful people. And Nathaniel, in the midst of all of this, has this encounter with God that changes him. See, Jesus knew exactly what Nathaniel needed and met him in that place. This is pure grace. Undeserved love, kindness from a God who understands. Well, you say, well, yeah, that's great and all, but I, I mean, he got to see Jesus. He got to meet Jesus. I mean, I don't get to do that. I don't get to... Here's the thing, there are times where I'll speak and people will say, how did you know I was struggling with that? It's like that message was just for me. And I said, I didn't know. I didn't know that, I was just preaching the Bible. And that's the message we were going through that week. Here's the thing, it's not about me. I don't know, but he does. And people still today have encounters with God that they can't explain. And it's because it says in Hebrews 4.12 that God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Right, it divides us, it pierces us. It's not like any book that's out there. This is God's word. It's about God speaking to his people. In many ways, it's about me getting out of the way. And so here's the question. Do, do you see God pursuing you like this? And I'm talking about you, like individually, because here's the thing. I, I read the Bible and I speak about the Bible, but it's hard for me sometimes to reply it and say, oh, you, God, you love me? You love Randall? And so that's what I'm saying today. Like, do you receive this personally, knowing that God is seeking after you? Could it be true? 
When you see Jesus pursuing Nathaniel like that, it will radically transform you personally like it did Nathaniel. See, the only appropriate response is this, and this is Nathaniel's response. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He's making the statement of faith. Just met Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are not like anybody I've ever met. You are the son of God. And so quickly, just some takeaways as we apply this. What do we do in our struggle? The first takeaway is this. Open up about your doubts. Open up about your doubts. See, here's the thing. What's the too much about Jesus and Christianity for you? Have you talked with anyone that you trust about those doubts and struggles? Saying, okay, here's what I'm going through. See, many of us have been made to feel guilty by people if we question or doubt. That's not the heart of what we see in Jesus. We don't see that in this story. See, Jesus lovingly deals with a man filled with skepticism and doubts and and walks with him through that for the next three years. You know, many scholars believe that Nathaniel is Bartholomew, who is a disciple of Jesus, one of the apostles. He becomes one of the twelve. And so again, can you see that that's where Jesus meets us? He meets this guy who becomes disciple and he walks with him, showing him, okay, you will see greater things than these for the next three years on earth and beyond that into the rest of his life. The next takeaway is learn about Jesus with friends. Who are the people in your life that you can discuss Jesus with? I mean, look around, like, It's through friendship many times that Jesus changes lives. We have personal Bible studies, and I encourage you to do that. But I also encourage you, along with friends, to discuss Jesus in your life. Look at Philip coming to Nathaniel in friendship and asking him, consider Jesus. Consider that this could be the Messiah. And look at what it does for Nathaniel's life. It changes him. Do you have friendships that you can learn about Jesus with? You know, that's the cool part about even what Ryan was saying earlier. He's like, I invite you to come be a part of a city group. This is the personal invitation to men's ministry, any of those things. I love hearing stories of people after service saying, hey, come to lunch with me. Let let me get to know you. Let's talk. That's what the Christian life is. And many times we say, well, I just don't have time for that. But this is the most important thing, is knowing who Jesus is. And lastly, it's this, believe that God sees you. Believe that God sees you. Here's the thing, when, when, when Jesus tells Nathaniel, like, I saw you. Jesus, the most important man to ever walk this earth, says, I saw you. Here's the thing. Many times people see the crowds, but they don't see the people in the crowds. Jesus saw the people in the crowds, and he specifically saw Nathaniel. So do you believe that God sees you? There's this interesting 
picture that C.S. Lewis paints in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle, and there's, there's a guy at the end named Emmeth. And he talks about this experience that he has with Aslan. Aslan is this Christ figure, he's the lion. And so he talks about this experience he has with Aslan, and here's what he says. He says, then he breathed upon me and took away the trembling from my limbs and caused me to stand upon my feet. And since then, O kings and ladies, I have been wandering to find him, and my happiness is so great that it even weakens me like a wound. And this is the marvel of marvels, that he called me beloved, me who am but as a dog. When we look at our lives, we say, man, there's no way that God sees me. There's no way that God could love me. My life is just but as a dog. Like, I'm just going to work every day, making things happen, stressed out, anxiety, Could you believe that God looks at you and says, beloved, that he cares for you like that? See, that's the gospel, friends, that God pursues undeserving sinners. And so let me wrap up with this. Verse 51, it says this. Jesus says, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What's he talking about? He's going back to like we talked about earlier, probably that that scripture that Nathaniel was thinking on under the fig tree. Genesis 28, 10 through 17. And here's the thing. Jacob in the Old Testament has this vision. And in the vision, he sees a ladder. And on this ladder, it's angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. And what that is, is this picture between a holy God and a sinful world. And there's this ladder that is bringing a holy God and a sinful world together. And there's angels ascending and descending. And, and so, where does it say that God is? Well, in verse 13, it says this, And behold, the Lord stood above it, or matri- the way it's, Many scholars say it should be translated as, or beside him, beside Jacob, and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Here's the thing. God is at the bottom of the ladder talking with Jacob. And what this is saying is that Jesus because that's what it is, it's Jesus next to Jacob telling him this, is that Jesus came down the ladder ultimately and ultimately he is the ladder that bridges the gap between a holy God and a sinful people. He bridges the gap between the doubts and truth. Jesus went down the ladder to pull us up from our sin. He is not a God calling from the top of the stairs saying, hey, come up here to me. Figure out how to get to me. I know you're struggling. I know you got doubts down there, but come on up to me and figure it out. No, he's the God who comes down from the ladder and says, I am with you. I'm going down the stairs. I'm going to fill the divide between a holy God and a sinful people by stretching out my arms on a cross and dying for your sins. See, many of us think that religion or, is about us trying to work our way to God. 
No, Christianity is different. I know we have doubts, I know we have struggles, but God comes down the ladder, meets us right where we, we are at, and says, I love you. Come to Jesus, experience that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and even in the midst of all our struggles, he will meet us with his love and his grace. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that as you spoke to Nathaniel these beautiful words of truth, Lord, that we can come to you now because of what you have done for us. You came down the ladder. You came to us. You met us right where we're at. So, Lord, in the midst of our struggle, build up our faith. Build up our faith by not just coming up within our mind, but filling it with truth of who you are. Teach us, Lord, to follow you closer and closer each day. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.